You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. It seems every time we have this man on, there's like two or three things we have to talk about and very little time to squeeze it all in. So we're going to do our best here. Uh, the U.S. drone strike or a U.S. drone strike has killed uh, an Al-Qaeda leader considered one of the masterminds behind 9-11 on the balcony of a Kabul safe house this weekend. Uh, many are concerned it has intensified global security scrutiny rather around Afghan's Taliban rulers to talk Talk more. Elliot Tepper, uh, emeritus professor of political science, Carleton University. He is here now. Elliot, as always, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Well, thank you. Same to you, Scott. It seemed this came out of nowhere. Uh, all of a sudden, a former Al-Qaeda or an Al-Qaeda leader, a prominent one, uh, taken out by a drone. The significance of this and why now? Well, the significance is that Al-Qaeda, for well, a bunch of things, actually. Uh, the key thing is, is that a top terrorist in the world is now dead. This was taken out by a drone, two Hellfire uh, missiles fired from a drone in the heart of Kabul. So the top leader of Al-Qaeda, having replaced Osama bin Laden, is now dead. And as uh, President Biden said, justice is now done for the 3,000 or so people killed and many, many more wounded after the 9-11 attack. So that's the number one takeaway. Uh, obviously, we remember when uh, troops packed up and left Afghanistan. What significance does this have in where Afghanistan is now and what is going on there now? Yes, that's the uh, second major element of all this is that the Doha agreement, the agreement by which the U.S. basically turned over Afghanistan. This was under Donald Trump, followed by Joe Biden. So it's bipartisan in that sense. Afghanistan was once again turned back over to the Taliban after all the years of fighting and the progress in democracy and rights of women. All of that is gone now. The Taliban are in charge. They pledged that uh, as part of the agreement that Afghanistan would never be a base for terrorism again. And here they are clearly harboring at least one faction of the Taliban. And that's a story into itself. There are factions within the uh, Taliban, but uh, they clearly were harboring the number one terrorist in the world a $25 million bounty on his head, and he has survived since 9-11 until now. Hmm. So where does this put relations between the two? Does this intensify uh, that conflict? Quite clearly, the Taliban, you know, what a big surprise, can't be trusted. Uh, the U.S. needed uh, an excuse, it looks like, to get out of Afghanistan, to get out of the never-ending war. Uh, the promises made were clearly quite flimsy to begin with, and that's been followed through on by the violation. And meanwhile, uh, the Taliban are in charge of Afghanistan, which is falling apart economically. Half of the population, more or less, is under the poverty line. Uh, the possibility of widespread humanitarian disaster is looming. Uh, how do you deal with the, the government of the day when the government of the day is like this? So there's three and a half billion dollars still frozen. Of, uh, Afghan money, will the U.S. release that? The possibility of the Taliban regaining any kind or gaining any kind of international legitimacy is clearly affected by the fact they are harboring the number one terrorist in the world in downtown Kabul. Uh, but all of this, we have to emphasize, means the bottom line again, as we talk about what all this means, is that the people of Afghanistan are going to continue to pay the cost. How concerned is the rest of the world uh, in what is happening there in, in, you know, future attacks such? People have, I think, moved away from 
that uh, era of the 9-11, post 9-11 era, uh, when the world changed, or did the US change and not the world? Uh, the world seemed to be moving on and what to do about the Taliban was way down the list, but now it's back uh, at least toward the, toward the center of attention again. There is a, uh, a regime in power that holds power that is the government, but not yet the legitimized government of Afghanistan. Uh, and it is potentially, once again, harboring terrorists that can affect the rest of the world one way or another. So Afghanistan is back in our news, not in a good way, although the news itself suggests that the U.S., and this is what the U.S. is now claiming is, we don't need to be there anymore. We can still strike down terrorists without having an army in the field. Uh, that overlooks the fact that they do obviously have CIA or other informants in the field. They do have human intelligence of one kind or another, but drone technology is changing the nature of war. And uh, the, um, the leader of Al-Qaeda has, as Joe Biden said, been brought to justice as a result. All right. The other story, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi arrives in uh, Taiwan on Tuesday, becoming the highest ranking American official to be there in 25 years. What does this say? Why do this now? Yes, uh, I, I think more than one thing, again, once is, is at play. Uh, everybody but everybody in the United States, uh, top leadership, the military and uh, security and defense people all told her don't go because China is very sensitive on the issue of Taiwan, and we don't need another crisis right now. We've got Ukraine, and we have a bombshell report by Thomas Friedman saying that the Chinese possibly will now provide military support for the first time uh, to the Russians, even though they have been supporting the Russians by buying oil from them at a discount, and who knows by other means, but they've not been providing military support. So why upset the apple, court, uh, apple cart now? I think one thing that's been totally underestimated and not even been uh, highlighted at all is that this was her decision and this is her farewell tour. This is She's been a lifetime a supporter of Taiwan against China and against the depredations of China. And uh, she is likely to be losing power in a few months. So this was her farewell tour. The whole question now is how will China react and uh, that's what we're waiting for right now. And I've got my what, own views on that. What are your views on that? We've only got about 30 seconds left. And how does Biden feel about this? Well, Biden, is, uh, he said, I, I told her not to go. I can't control her. So uh, the message going out is nothing has changed. The difference hmm. between yesterday and today is in terms of policy, in terms of what matters, has not changed whatsoever. But we should keep in mind that China uh, has been behaving in a belligerent fashion uh, again, bullying fashion under Xi Jinping in a way that says, if this is how a new emerging superpower is going to behave, and Taiwan is the test case, uh, then uh, we have to recall that's the nature of China, not the nature of Taiwan. Emeritus Professor of Political Science with Carleton University, Elliot Tepper. As always, Elliot, thanks for the time. Be well. Oh, thank you, and same to you. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.